You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric DeSobe here. Excited to continue our conversations with NLC alumni from across the country. Chad and Karen Cherry are here from the 2016 class out in Florida. Excited to hear what they've been up to, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So let's get to it. All right, I'm glad to have you you both on. I never had two people on here at the same time, so you guys are, are groundbreaking podcasters. So thanks for hopping on. Tell, tell the folks where in the world you are today. We are in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It is sunny and beautiful today. Nice. Yeah, I think we have a monopoly on, on warm weather right now on both coasts. But how did you two end up in NLC? And did, were you in the same NLC class together? <laughs> uh, we were in the same NLC class together. Um, I think they were uncertain as to whether they were going to accept us both, but thankfully they did. And uh, so, yeah, we got to go through Institute together. And how we ended up in NLC? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we ended up in NLC because our cafe was right next to um, Charlie Chris campaign headquarters. And you know, NLC staffers are notorious for uh, working on campaigns. So, yeah, we fed them for like a year, became good friends with them, yeah. learned what they were doing. And it was like, yeah, we're going to apply. Because they were the coolest people that came into our cafe. For real. And we didn't know they were a part, all a part of the same organization. We just found out afterwards uh, in talking to them. We were like, yo, if this many cool people are a part of one organization we need to be a part of that so that's what we decided nice. to join yeah. it was funny that's right. a good origin yeah no i'm sorry man yeah that's a good it's a good origin story and actually i'm glad you brought up the cafe because that was kind of my first line of, of questioning here so tell folks a little backstory behind how it came to be and and where and what it does um repeat the last little bit of what you said yeah i'd love to sort of know uh what the cafe is about and and what you guys see for it in the future Okay, so um, our our company name, well, one of our companies uh, is Refresh Live, and Refresh Live is a food education lifestyle company. It's called Refresh Live Cafe just because um, it 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 is around food, but it's kind of like a like a yeah. We had a cafe for a while, but it's also like a one stop shop for any of your food questions. So food education and lifestyle is basically we do what we call food advocacy. We um, fight social injustices. We we do activism through food. Um, education is that we're always educating people, not just on food, but how to make their lives better. Um, we educate people everywhere we go. And then lifestyle, a huge part of our of what we do is just being able to improve people's lives. And then chef culture is another part of our, another company that um, is a part of that lifestyle. And so did you know you always wanted to be in this line of work and start something like this? Where did the original idea come from? Yeah, no, not at all, man. Originally I was going to be an MC. I'm in a hip hop heavy and, um, or something in music, right? You know, God just has other plans. I took what I call an unscheduled vacation, and uh, that was approximately a month in the hospital when I was around 26. And um, when I got out, I had to change my life. So I got into food as a way to, you know, fix myself and make myself healthier. I became a type 2 diabetic. That's what was what my affliction was. And um, around 2010, when I met Karen, I was telling her about what I was doing, and, uh, you know, she got it immediately. And we both have a heart for people. And 
what we saw in each other was that working together, and this is before we married, but we saw that working together, we could really influence some things. We could really help some people find their way to a better health. Yeah. Yeah. We both had, we both had considerable health issues. And so he started feeding me with organic and locally sourced food. And I mean, I was trying to holler. I'm going to be real. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I started feeling better um, eating the way that he was cooking. And then we started thinking about it, man, there's so many people in this country that don't have access to, to just healthy and good food. And, you know, we didn't want to just feed celebrities anymore. And so you know, we started to do food activism. I'm not a food person by, by, I, I must say, I, I don't like, that is not, it's not my thing. I, I went to law school. I, I wanted to be able to hire a chef. I never thought that I would marry one, let alone be one. But, you know, like he said, God has other plans. So. Then what's been the most surprising part about being business owners? Oh my gosh. I think, hmm. For me, the most surprising part about being business owners is I want to say how backwards things are, right? Like in this country, we, it's, it's like what, what we're doing with food, right? We know there are better ways to eat and there are better things you can do with food, but that's not what gets pushed. So as being a business owner, it's the same thing. It's like if we encourage entrepreneurship, we understand that that affects our unemployment rate. We understand that it affects, you know, wage growth. We understand how beneficial entrepreneurship is to the country, yet our society is set up almost against entrepreneurs. You know, you have trouble getting yeah. credit. You have um, you have trouble doing the most basic things, even renting a house. Like, hey, I can show you that we bring in a hundred grand a year. Yeah, but you don't get a paycheck. You know, and it's that's yeah. the most surprising thing. Like this is something that sh- we as a country should embrace more. And you just find it no, no. Yeah, it's, they want it's, you to be. Yeah, you're, it's like you're back. You, <laughs> yeah, that is, I guess, surprising. I mean, we've raised our family on our business and um, we've been homeless twice. We've had cars repossessed. We've, you know what I mean? So it's it, it's not something that is fostered. Right. It's yeah. like it is easier for you to stop being an entrepreneur um, because even the channels that they send you to, like going to score or, you know, or programs, SBA or other right, stuff. programs that are supposed to help you, we've found have not been very helpful for for our business. Cause and what you learn in business school is not what you need to be a small business. It's a very large disconnect. Business school teaches you about running a larger company, not about running a small business. Very but different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the traditional perception of progressives and conservatives, especially when it comes to business, traditionally folks assume conservatives would have a more business-friendly mindset. Have you found that, or maybe would you agree with that statement? And then if not, like what ways have you seen progressive policies or progressive politicians try to support small businesses like your own? Um, I, I don't know that either side really has a good grasp on what it means to support Small, small business, business yeah. you know, I, we have not, we haven't found and, and, and now that, you know, we do management now, like we've, we've grown beyond our own business and we're managing other, um, other startups and, and food, pro- food professionals and, and restaurants now. And so we have sort of like both sides of the, of the perspective, but we have not 
um, we've not been in very many environments where we feel that um, that there is much understanding of what a small business is. Like we've literally had to explain, we've had to define to progressives and conservatives the definition of a small business. You know, because they're like, okay, well, a small business is less than, you know, employees. less than 100 employees, less than 50 employees. And a small business brings in less than 500000 you know, $500,000. And, yeah, you do have small businesses out there that do that. But we are talking about businesses that um, that support their, their local community because, you know, it's a, a husband and a wife or a father and a son and they may employ, you know, one person, but they're looking to employ more. So the programs that are, that are out there, um, even to have a conversation with people in elected office, it's almost like starting from, like, we have to start from a foundational level of explaining what it is. Yeah. And, to j- just add to that, man, I don't know if they really have a level of caring um, about true small business. I don't know if true small business has a has a voice yet. When we got in the NLC, another catalyst for us was our experience with the Fort Lauderdale CRA and going through the process of trying to get funding, getting a unanimous approval from the board, which are not politicians. Right. And then going to um, not even being able to get the commission, which are mostly Democrats, you know, uh, some would maybe say they're progressive. They wouldn't even hear it, even though the the board gave a unanimous decision to support our business. So it showed us that, hey, we have to learn a little bit more about this political process and how to um, get them to, I guess, be aware of all of their constituents, not just the ones that can write fat checks. Yeah, that makes sense. When we come back on the Zang, we'll talk a little bit more about life in Florida. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. All right. Florida is in the news often, sometimes for amusing stories, and, and sadly in the last uh, month or so for very tragic circumstances. What uh, impact has the Parkland shooting uh, had on, on the two of you, and what kind of future do you see emerging in Florida because of it? Oh, wow. Um, so <laughs> we had that that day was was a a trying day for us we were actually driving away from the parkland area um when the shooting when the shooting occurred and we we heard you know we're in the car together we hear all of these sirens we see all of the cars you know the law enforcement cars kind of like zooming by us and you know we started to feel like a bit agitated like man what what's going on like like the world must be like coming to an end or something. I mean, it felt, it felt like that crazy. And um, so to find out five minutes afterwards that there was a Broward County shooting, you know, our, our kids, because of our business, our kids have been homeschooled for the majority of um, the time that we've been together. And we just put them in public school like a couple months ago. And, um, so when we heard that a, that it was a Broward County, sh- you know, shooting, uh, I I mean we I started to panic. I literally fell apart, and um, you know we went and and got our kids immediately. And um, it's it's rough. It is it is challenging explaining to um, to our children why things like this happen. And our kids are very you know because they have been involved in our business. They 
and because they they are have been around NLC, they have a, a good grasp. Even our five year old has a good grasp on sort of politics and the way that things work, and they have a good grasp on activism and and things like that. And so it was hard explaining to them why our government was not as outraged as as they are, you know. And um, so as a as a mom, it really it. I wanted to give up. I was like, I, I just, I want to give up. Maybe I could move somewhere else with my kids. You know, we're fighting this fight of, you know, social injustice every single day. And I, I was really just tired, you know? So I don't know. It's, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I we, We're still kind of rough from, from that and from everything that's going on in Florida. So. Yeah, understandably. And then based on some of the legislation that did get voted on in the Florida state houses, are you at all optimistic that there'll be some policy changes or do you feel like this will follow the same course as, as some of the past tragedies? I fear, I, you know, I fear that it'll follow the same course. I, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm normally the person who has a lot of hope and a lot of, a lot of faith in, in the process. And I am concerned. I'm concerned with both sides, right? I'm concerned with, uh, with Democrats. I'm concerned with Republicans. I fear that we, um, I fear that politics in this country has gotten so big Hmm. and so messy that I don't know that, that politicians or elected officials can see um, which way is the right side up? You know, I know there's a lot of emotion around what has gone on, and I and I see the kids marching. Our daughter is 14 years old, and she, you know, participated in some of the walkouts at her school. And I hope that that, you know, will be the catalyst. But I don't, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I have faith that it will change. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think it's like NLC is so important. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have faith at all. I think the, I think even with the legislation that passed, passed, it was a safe move. Rick Scott is termed out; he's not going to run again, right? Um, but he's going to run for Congress. So to pass something like this is good for him politically. But what I think the true legacy of this event is going to be is that you're going to see kids activate more. You're going to see the pre-registration starting at 16. You're going to see them voting at 18 and you're going to see them have an impact. We may even see them push bills that lower the voting age. Like I think that we have awoken a sleeping giant. And I think that these children are going to really start holding these lawmakers to task and say, hey, look, there's no more of this, you know, talk this way here and vote this way there. And there's no more of that special grandstanding like where that one lawmaker was making, almost making fun of the the kids who were speaking, like how insensitive can you be? I I think that the legacy is going to be that uh, a space, a voting space, a voting block that has never realized this power is now going to start pushing. And I, you know, I, I, I agree with that. Like, I think that's a perfect assessment. And I hope and pray that as NLC, we we take that to task and we really um, we really make sure that we dig deep and that we are not just, you know, I, I hear a lot of NLCers that um, that talk about, well, I'm a Democrat and I'm a Republican. And I, you know, I understand that. But for me, Democrat or Republican, if you don't make the laws that will keep my children safe, I will not vote for you. 
I will not vote for you. I will not support you. And I may work against you, you know, and I hope that, you know, NLCers across the country um, take take that to task as well. Right. I think that's a perfect note to end on. Thanks for that call. And thanks for being on the Zag. We'll put all of the info of your businesses in our descriptions of this episode and all these episodes. You can find them in the iTunes store, Google Play store. Thanks for listening. We'll have some more shows later in the week. We'll see you then.